0: hi it's Jill Schlesinger on this episode of Jill on money
1: we're talking cars if you're making decent money and you fall in love with this BMW 5 series and they the salesperson says you know for a low monthly payment blah 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 so don't tell a salesperson I can spend four hundred dollars a month because they will find a way to get you in that car for four hundred dollars a month. all
0: right so you know the number but don't tell them the number right welcome to the Jill on money podcast we're presented by Marcus by Goldman Sachs today we've got a great recidivist guest Mike Quincy who is an automotive writer for Consumer Reports he is going to give us all the information we need to know about buying a used or a new car or maybe even leasing a car remember if you've got financial questions and want to give us a shout just send us an email ask Jill at JillonMoney.com. And you can always go to the website JillOnMoney.com to listen to past shows or get some of our great financial resources. Okay, so now let's talk cars with Mike Quincy.
1: You're listening to Jill on Money with Jill Schlesinger.
0: Mike Quincy, automotive writer for Consumer Reports. Welcome back to the program.
1: So glad to be back.
0: All right, so you are my car guru. You are the guy that I email and text when in a panic at a dealership on December 30th. You are my man. And I so appreciate that tell us what is going on overall in the automotive industry right now what what are you seeing as the big trends
1: the big trend I believe is electrification sort of autonomous and semi autonomous technology we're not at the point where we've got self-driving cars it's a nice idea you know kind of works in theory in fact, the, the hardware and the software is there to do it. The, the biggest problem that uh, autonomous driving is is infrastructure and the fact that the cars all have to be able to talk to each other. You know, like any technology, there's, there's things that you get and there's things that are taken away.
0: Just stay on that theme of electrification because when we had a bunch of layoffs that were announced by Ford, I was interested to see that one of the Ford electric car plants was kind of scrapped and anything that was SUV truck related seemed to survive so how do you square the idea that there is this push towards electrification and yet Americans specifically seem to still be driving gas guzzlers
1: excellent question Um, I think a lot of uh, a lot of car companies were maybe caught off guard a little bit by the 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 popularity of Tesla I I think if you go into well-to-do neighborhoods uh, 10 15 years ago the people that were doing well they 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 drove a a BMW 7 series they they drove a Mercedes-Benz s-class maybe they drove a Lexus and now the status symbol seems to be Tesla not that that's the whole push behind electrification, but corporate average fuel economy for all automakers is has been trending up, which is a good thing. And to get those kind of cafe credits, you have to you have to think about electrification. Uh, the, the models that have done the the most outstandingly in Consumer Reports fuel economy tests are usually plug in hybrids, but that's not without its its downsides. I mean, with an electric car. You have range limitations. You, you know some of the best are going two hundred, two hundred and fifty miles, which which isn't bad. But when you think about a Toyota Camry hybrid that can go, you know, five or six hundred miles on on a tank full of fuel, and it takes you know five to six minutes to fill up that tank of gasoline, whereas if you have to recharge uh, a Tesla or a Nissan Leaf or whatever, it could take hours
0: where do you think the intersection is between the trade-offs shifting enough so that consumers are going to really want to go either hybrid or all-electric where they won't be giving up so much it's convenient enough where is that tipping point do you think
1: one of the number one selling types of vehicles are are pickup trucks, and uh, there's a company called Rivian that is uh, on the cusp of of doing mass market production of an electric, all electric pickup truck. Really, uh, kind of you know the Tesla of pickup trucks. It's the Tesla of everything these days, I yeah, suppose. Right? But to answer your question, I'm I'm not quite sure where, where the where the intersection is. I suppose if you can have an electric recharging infrastructure where people can we pull their car up, plug in, and in in maybe you know ten to twenty minutes, they get almost a full charge. Tesla's superchargers give I think a, I think it's a fifty percent capacity in about thirty minutes, which isn't bad.
0: Wait but, a minute, I had no idea it took that long.
1: Right. We see that's that's what people don't necessarily understand about electric cars is is the fact that it, I mean if if you just plugged in to a regular uh, household outlet, maybe it's one twenty or two forty. It could take all night to charge up. If you have a built-in supercharger system in your own home, it it can go a lot faster. Most people's commutes, I think the average commute in the United States is, is 20 miles or less. All the electric cars that are out there, it, there's plenty of range for you to get up, you know, go, go to work. And, and even some workplaces have a place where you can plug in your car, which is mm. which is certainly green and friendly and all that. And then drive home and at no, night you plug it in and you don't really worry about it. But but for me, I mean, I'm, I'm a road trip guy. I, I live in Connecticut. My sister lives in Washington, D.C. I have friends in North Carolina. I love road trips. For me, an electric car's limitations are the, the deal breaker. I don't want to have to stop every few hours to go down to Washington
0: so if you were to think about like the electrification I get and I get that like basically cars are really tech products now talk about the self-driving part of this how long before we actually get self-driving do you think
1: really really not not in our lifetime what I don't don't want to buy
0: another car I I, thought that you were going to take me off the hook on that.
1: I don't think so because it's very complicated. And we have people that I work with at Consumer Reports Test Track that all they do is they study this and they go to conferences and they talk about the technologies vehicle to vehicle communication vehicle to infrastructure communication the the the, te- the kind of technology where there's going to be sensors on a road and you're going down a your commute and there's all this traffic backup and the sensors then talk to your car and say before you get to this traffic jam we're going to reroute you and go around it and that's I mean, what I'm
0: hoping for it, that's what I want
1: it's a great idea and again it's it's good in practice my my skepticism is that who is going to be the software engineer that Writes the algorithm when a self-driving car is going down the road and there is an inevitable collision There's going to be a collision with a, with a car that's coming at you There's going to be a collision with, with and there's a tree and there's somebody pushing a baby stroller on the side of the road And th- there is going to be an impact. Yeah, who decides how to program the software Of the self driving car to make that decision. Right. Do
0: I sacrifice the person driving the car or do I sacrifice the child?
1: Exactly. And if you have a software engineer that writes that program, what are the lawyers of that software company saying? Okay, hold on a second. Are we gonna be on the hook for this if a really bad case scenario happens? How do we defend that? I mean, I I think I think self driving Mm -hmm. cars is going to be slowed because of liability. Wow. Than, more than more than anything else.
0: Not technology, B- because, but, but liability. But right,
1: right now, you can buy a car with lane-keeping assist and adaptive cruise control, which is a type of self-driving technology. The adaptive cruise control, you're going down the highway, and you can set a distance between you and the car in front of you and take your foot off the gas, and the car will regulate itself. Um, lane Keeping Assistant mm-hmm. Lane Departure Warning does a lot of the same thing. If you're not paying attention, and you veer to one side or the other in your lane, you'll get an audible warning, you'll get a light flashing, and other systems will physically move the steering wheel to, to center you back in your lane. Now, that is a type of self-driving technology. I like
0: that. That seems like a really smart thing to have in every car.
1: The problem is that, th- that the software is not the same from car to car
0: you're in town here in New York City for the auto show and so when this airs the auto show will have already happened at the auto show what excited you
1: I was very excited to see the redesigned Subaru Outback now you know Subaru here in the Northeast is like the 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 car the, the, well, yes, and, and and producer Mark is saying, oh, look at that. Thumbs up. Uh,
0: <laughs> Remember you made him buy a Subaru a few years ago? He still has it.
1: Uh, he was a city guy. He was reluctant to buy any kind of car. He I... got
0: it. He was, the, he was the city guy who was like, oh, wait, I got a good deal on a parking spot. I need a car.
1: <laughs> I got a parking spot. He's having you a baby, park... you know. You got so now he's got a parking spot first.
0: That, he, he, had to, he had to have the car parking spot, then the car, now the baby.
1: Yeah, and then he's going to have a mortgage and the whole nightmare. I he have has been one of those there. already. Okay. Alright, so what's so, going so on was... with the
0: redesigned Subaru Outback was that your favorite Subaru is that you had a couple of different ones you liked
1: well it, it is a a massively Sensible car and you're talking about trends in the auto industry and the trends are just wall-to-wall SUVs So what I like about the Outback is it's kind of an anti SUV It's an alternative SUV because in Consumer Reports tests the Outback has consistently d- delivered the ride and handling of a car and cars, I'm sorry, ride and handle better than any kind of truck or SUV. Mm-hmm. Um, the Subaru is managing to, to put almost all their models with standard all-wheel drive, yet their fuel economy remains competitive. Mm-hmm. Um, they have been on the forefront of including important safety features such as forward collision warning, automatic emergency braking on all of their cars. Glad to see that it's going to be standard again, even on the base trim line. A lot of manufacturers make you get the highest trim, to get important safety features, or you have to get sunroof, you have to get leather seats, you have to get all this stuff. Maybe you don't want to get the safety features, so I'm really happy about that. Um, Subaru has really been on a roll lately. I've done very well in Consumer Reports testing, high owner satisfaction, great reliability. They've always been the underdog in the auto industry, the smallest, you know, one of the one of the toughest fighters. And and they show great spirit in their products and their management.
0: Anything else at the auto show that stands out from a consumer perspective? Not some weirdo concept car, but just like a real. <laughs> no, a, you're, you're a, right. A, right I, like something that I could actually, you know, say, oh that is something that I should know about.
1: Well, the, the Toyota unveiled their uh, their Highlander SUV.
0: Oh, how's that looking? Uh,
1: listen, Toyota knows what they've got with the Highlander. This is the the fourth generation model. It's a solid brand name. They're they're also they're they're bringing back the the um the hybrid version, which the last model got 25 miles per gallon in Consumer Reports testing, which is awesome for a three row SUV. Toyota has legendary reliability. Um, so from from a general public standpoint uh, the Highlander is is a a major announcement and for people in the market for a vehicle like this should definitely check it out
0: so it sounds like to me that there's two big takeaways from the auto show that could be intriguing for listeners one is the Subaru Outback the other is the Toyota Highlander those are like definitely Family vehicles. Uh, what about our snobs out there? Anything interesting for the snob out there? A BMW or a Mercedes? or sure. Was there anything at the auto show that was interesting? Of upscale.
1: So Mercedes rolled out their GLS, their uh, near top of the line SUV. They called the S class of SUVs. This is major money. This is you know BMW technology, three row seating. It's a big vehicle this is Jill on money
0: we'll get back to our interview in just a second now if you've been listening to this show you probably recognize that it's me Jill Jill Schlesinger I'm also a certified financial planner a CBS News business analyst and yes the host of this podcast called Jill on money okay today I am here to tell you about our sponsor Marcus by Goldman Sachs despite the taboo money is not only personal it is social Marcus serves up financial tips insights and inspiration to help you get better about your finances and you can join in on the conversation by following at Marcus by Goldman Sachs on Facebook Instagram and LinkedIn or at Marcus on Twitter every follow is a financial step in the right direction you can money and now let's get back to our interview with Mike Quincy to learn how to buy a car all right, let's talk a little bit about your car issue. You know, one of the things that's always so impressive is that you just do a great job at Consumer Reports of breaking it down in terms of, you know, kind of the, the cars that all the different types of car buyers would want. So let's talk about your top 10 picks and tell us. What surprised you on that top ten list, by the way?
1: To be a Consumer Reports top pick, there's a few criteria that that every car has to go to go through. We're looking at a combination of performance, reliability, owner satisfaction, and the availability of standard uh, safety equipment. So we keep raising the bar and we keep making it tougher for, for manufacturers to— This, I've
0: got to tell you something. I just, like, flipped through it. I find this to be a fairly boring list. But, I mean, I'm excited <laughs> because it's your list.
1: Well, it, it, listen. What's I, the I, difference between a under- Subaru
0: Ascent and the Subaru that you just described, the Outback? What's uh, the difference between those two cars?
1: The, the, the Ascent is Subaru's second effort at a building a three-row SUV their first uh, effort kind of failed sort of miserably it was called the Tribeca but they knew they had to be in this space the third row space okay and so they, they brought out the Ascent as the first year of the Ascent uh, we had uh, some reliability data on it that shows that it was typical Subaru it was you know, knocking it out of the park and it really impressed us It impressed us so much that it knocked the Toyota Highlander out of the top spot for a mid midsize three-row SUV and that is no mean feat but you're huh. right I mean listen uh, the, the Ascent is, is you know it's kind of a family car uh, uh, our midsize top pick is a Toyota Camry hybrid you know not, not exciting boring but really good on gas Good for your
0: parents everybody Forty-seven everybody.
1: miles per gallon and also, overall and consumer reports testing. good
0: for your parents and good for your kids if you want a boring car right
1: it, it's actually one of my favorite rental cars
0: mm-hmm. because
1: it's fuel-efficient and it's easy to figure out the controls
0: it's interesting in your top 10 you have Toyota Camry hybrid Toyota Yaris which is their entry-level little thing there Toyota Avalon Toyota Prius I mean Toyota kicks ass this year
1: Toyota knows what they're doing
0: right I mean look yeah you know, obviously the Ford f-150 first of all I had no idea that these trucks cost so much money This oh. is insanity I don't know what you people are thinking but whatever you don't need a truck are you a farmer no you live in Manhattan <laughs> do not get a truck um, but anyway that's to me like a really interesting trend from a corporate because Toyota really came under some pressure And now they've come back pretty darn strong.
1: They have been among the the first manufacturers to put standard forward collision warning and automatic emergency braking on all of their products, regardless of the trim line. Mm. Toyota has decades of Consumer Reports reliability data behind them to show that they're among the most reliable brands. Toyota was among the first manufacturers to embrace, not only embrace hybrid technology, but they stuck with it. Mm. I mean, they've 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 never given up.
0: Good to know. All right, now just uh, rounding out the top list, you have the Audi A4, which you you guys have liked that as a compact luxury car for great, a while. Great car. Then for the other people who really should be buying the Forester, but instead want some status, you've got the BMW X5.
1: The, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> listen, I'm I'm as skeptical as anybody when it comes to. People that insist on spending a ton of money for a car. I love cars, obviously, because I'm here talking about it. But our as-tested price for the BMW X5 is $68,000.
0: That's just a lot of money. That's I'm sorry. That's a money. lot of money that can go into a 529 plan, ladies and but gentlemen. But here's the
1: wacky thing. Yeah. The X. This X5, it almost is worth it. Really? It's that good.
0: There is no car that's worth that, it, probably. It, it, is,
1: it is comfortable. It's quiet. It has great handling. There is something about this car that BMW said we are gonna pull out the stops and just wow everybody and it wowed it. this this right. car is so popular at, at, at Consumer Reports test track I, I swear the engine never gets cold I mean it's always being signed out it's we have this big board that it's a, it's a whiteboard that has all the keys and you can write on it you know oh you know M- Mike Quincy would like to have this car uh, the, the, you know the last weekend in, in April or something like it, it, it is always being signed out
0: okay so we got the top list you Also have the best new vehicles under pricing and best used vehicles Um, one of my favorites the how the brands stack up Uh, Subaru number one with an overall score of 81 Uh, my favorite being the last Fiat fix it again (laughs) fix it again Tony (laughs) as we used to call it way back when but also in the like sort of in the low end there are some very popular cars that fall in sort of your yellow zone of like not so hot but the one that really does jump out at me is Jeep. Right. Man, do I see a ton of Jeeps on the road. What explains the popularity of this car slash truck, let's call it a truck, considering that it has terrible reliability?
1: Consumer Reports tested the redesigned Wrangler. I mean, the most iconic looking Jeep is the Wrangler, obviously. Yeah. It is still kind of crude. It's noisy, it has a rough ride, but it got better. It actually got a lot more civilized than the last version. That being said, I don't want to drive cross-country in one, but it has... I don't want to drive cross-town in but one. Cross-town is actually kind of fun, especially mm. when you put the top down, you can remove the doors.
0: Are minivans like oh so 1990s? What's happening with them?
1: Uh, they're definitely not dead. Mm-hmm. They're they're dead as far as the the domestic manufacturers go, but uh, but Honda... Uh, and Toyota and Hyundai are are not giving up on it. I'm a dad. my My kids are are older now. They're teenagers. But when they were younger and they were in their their child safety seats, there was no better vehicle to, to to take on a family vacation than a minivan. Yeah, they're easy. They're the best. So when when I when when young families come to me and ask me for for advice on which car to buy, you know, we got a baby, got another one coming, blah blah blah. I say, get a minivan. Forget about the image. Forget about what people think. Get it because you you won't regret it. You, you you it's easy to get in and out. And you're on a road trip. You pull on the side of the road. You got to change a diaper. You're in right right there. You're done. The, the back the back of the of the, of the the van holds you know your your portable cribs, your strollers, your baby all your dog
0: stuff because I know you have a
1: dog, dog too. Stuff. Probably. Yeah, I, I, of course. Right. So I love minivans for the functionality of them. Uh, to answer your question, they're not dead, but they're not as popular as SUVs.
0: Okay, let's do car buying 101 Okay. <laughs> Number 1, I'm literally taking notes right now. This is Theater of the Mind, ladies and gentlemen, and I wrote on the top of my yellow sheet, car buying 101, and I wrote one, don't fall in love. What should you do next?
1: Be honest with how much money your monthly budget should be earmarked for a car payment. Yep. That's being kind of practical, and I am talking like my father. But you are talking
0: to the money gal. Well, Let's right, go. I mean,
1: but th- but this is the advice that that you would give out because yep. this is what you do. In other words, if if you are making decent money and you fall in love with this BMW five series or three series, and and the the salesperson says, you know, for a low monthly payment, blah 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 blah. So go into a, to to, a, to buy a car. Don't tell a salesperson I can spend four hundred dollars a month, uh huh, because they will find a way to get you in that car for $400 all a month. All right so you know the
0: number but don't tell them the number right do I need to figure out my monthly amount or do I need to figure out buy versus lease first
1: well there, there is that I mean if, if you have an advantage to leasing if you're running your own business and can write off the the cost of the lease that's one thing mm-hmm. uh, if it's just you you you're just a, a normal person going to a job and you need a car and you want to lease it there's pros and cons uh, the, the pros are you you will generally have a lower monthly payment compared to buying mm-hmm. uh, The pros are you can generally get a kind of a nicer car for your money mm-hmm. because you're leasing it The downside is you will always have a car payment you know, Yeah, you, you'll never be done with it because when your lease ends you you have to you know sign up for another lease Or you have to buy a car whatever. I mean when you, when you take out a loan to buy a car once you pay off the loan It's yours. Yeah, you're done with it, right? You you have to be careful about The the long-term commitments to lease and and oftentimes with with cars that say you like but have sort of questionable reliability like Mm -hmm. like some of the some of the German cars I suppose uh, sometimes I say well listen they don't have really good long-term reliability so lease it so if anything goes wrong the lease is going to coincide with the warranty yeah so the problem they deal with it
0: I'm still struck with the idea that the car buying experience is still stressful considering how much information is available but that essentially deal you could go online all you have to do is like go to Consumer Reports you can find this information you can go to lots of different places and you know how much money a dealer is gonna make on a car right? right how much negotiation should you really do
1: so I've, I've bought a hundred and thirty-six cars for the Consumer Reports test program and my time is as valuable as as money so when I know the dealer cost or even when I don't know the dealer cost, I'll find that they have what I'm looking for in stock. And I'll say, I'll, I'll get on the phone or I'll send an email. I was like, okay, listen, I, I can see the window sticker, which is X, and then there is your cost. So what is the number between your cost and the window sticker? As long as I'm not paying what's on the window sticker, I'm generally satisfied. But there's all these, these hidden dealer holdbacks that most people don't know about. So when when a, when a dealer advertises, you know, we'll sell it to you below cost, it's because the factory is, is giving them money, right, to move these cars. But but if if you're like me, your your time is valuable. If they can give me a number. You know whether it's two percent, three percent, four percent, whatever above their cost, as long as it's below sticker, I say okay. Here, here's my credit card, and give it. I'm going to give you a deposit. I mean, car car salespeople are there, there's there's all kinds of types. A lot of them are very hardworking. A lot of them are very honest, and you don't want to waste their time because if they spend a lot of time with the customer and don't get a sale, they don't they don't make any money. So I try to be fair with them and say I'm I'm not wasting your time. I really am a true buyer.
0: Okay, and so the range though would be would you say it's fair to say two to five percent above? Costs.
1: Yes, at the True Dealer Cost. True
0: Dealer Cost. And yeah. I can find out the True Dealer Cost online.
1: There, there are a number of websites that, that have cost information. Some are free. Some you have to pay for you know generally you get what you pay for uh, Consumer Reports has a, its own buying service I don't want to you know yeah, t- it. it out there too much plug it. Uh, the Consumer Reports Build and Buy. Uh you you go you go on consumer reports org and for a fee they will uh, help to to guide you through this process and find you a car that you're looking for uh, for a, a fair price
0: one question we always get does it make sense to buy an extended warranty on a car you plan to drive for a while
1: in most cases, absolutely not. Consumer Reports did a survey uh, a couple years ago, and we found something like between sixty and eighty percent of the people that bought extended warranties never ever used them. So instead of you know buying, you say, "Oh, I've always loved Jaguars." Well, they have a horrible reliability record. So maybe I'll just I'll I'll, I'll hedge my bets by by getting extended warranty. The better advice is do your research, find a more reliable car.
0: So, Mike, before you leave. Sometimes we end with uh, uh, "What's your worst financial decision?" What's the worst deal you ever cut on a car? Uh,
1: I remember a number of years ago uh, going to a Nissan dealer to buy their redesigned Sentra, and a Sentra is not a flashy car. It is uh, inexpensive. It it, it is not a high roller thing at all. We were in a rush to get it because we we needed to put it up to miles and test it so we could publish it because a lot of our uh, our Consumer Reports members wanted to, to know about this, and so I didn't have a lot of time to negotiate. The dealer insisted that I pay sticker price for the Sentra, and it was a guy. I said, I said "Dude, you know, in like six, three to six months, you're going to be discounting the heck out of this car." He didn't care. Uh, he didn't care, okay. and, and so it wasn't you... like a hot car. It was like, "Oh my god, everyone's falling over themselves to buy the new Sentra." But I remember that that particular deal the salesperson would not budge but uh, you know with with a little bit of homework I've got I kept notes on all the cars that I bought for the program if you'll invite me back I will come in with these notes and I will tell you car buying stories that will make your hair curl. all right when you
0: come back (laughs) and and who knows when that will be Mike Quincy thanks so much thanks for having me on thanks to Mike Quincy the automotive writer at Consumer Reports don't forget, we drop new episodes of Jill on Money every Tuesday and Thursday, and sometimes a Friday bonus, too. Our music is composed by Joel Goodman. Mark Tolercio is our executive producer. If you'd like to subscribe to the program, just go to Apple, Stitcher, Radio.com, Google Play, anywhere else you find your favorite podcasts. We're distributed by Cadence 13. The show is presented by Marcus by Goldman Sachs. See you next week.